Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness one guest at a time. Well, hello everyone and welcome. This is Tuesday, November the 13th in the wonderful year 2012. I am your co-host this evening, Dr. Dream, and your other co-host is... Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. Hello everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, yes. Laura, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Dr. Dream? i got to tell you, I'm... I'm always doing good on Tuesdays. This show is just such a bright light um, for me in in all of our activities. But really, based on everything that's been going on, 11-11, new moon, total solar eclipse, I mean, it's amazing. I'm actually having to hold the seat of my chair right now to to not just float right out of here. (laughs) I know it's really incredible. Um, today is just a powerful day. It's an eclipse in Scorpio. It brings up all sorts of stuff on a really deep level, especially with Mercury going backwards. You know, it's really a chance to dig up a lot of stuff and bring it to the light and own the wisdom that these experiences have taught us in our past. And, you know, really to just set the intention and have focused intention on what our dreams and our visions are and really to just activate that focus and, and carry that with us on an everyday level. This is what today's all about. I love it. And we we're this is after we've come off one heck of an experience on eleven eleven, right? Yeah, eleven eleven was incredible. We had, you know, a sold out uh venue. Um it I mean it was incredible with the amount of beautiful energy um and just the variety of different things that we were able to bring forward um uh, made it just a really complete package of you know, energetics along with information, along with, you know, just really just being in that deep space of connection on an 11-11 day, you know, really setting us up for, you know, this this incredible December 21st date. So it was awesome. And you were just incredible. Uh, you did so much pulling this all together. Well, it, I couldn't have done it without you. Let me just say that. And you know that about all of the wonderful things that we do together. It's it's just this co-creation at the highest level um, that I've ever experienced in my life. And, and it's incredible. And the people that came. And this is our first event that we've done here in Ventura. And so to really anchor the energy here in our community, I mean, it, it just – it. Literally was a dream come true, and um, with the artwork of Jillian Nye and our dear friend Shama doing breath and movement, and then um, co-creating all of this with the Do As One group, um, bringing so many people across the world together to breathe uh, together, and um, it's just it 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 doesn't let up. And then then today, I mean, eclipses. Total solar eclipses are are huge for me. I've gone to, I've traveled the world and gone to five of them. Um, and so here we were today. And 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 the thing that I love about eclipses is um, the the studies literally show that there's a measurable shift 
of energy and vibration on the Earth during the eclipse, during the transits, during all of this. And they've done this by putting, um, strategically putting pendulums and tuning forks all around the world and then measuring, um, you know, the vibrations, of course, before and then during and then after an eclipse. But what makes this really exciting is the upcoming galactic alignment on 1221. So theoretically, the effect of, of that galactic alignment will dwarf all the results we've seen from the past studies. Of course, we're going to have to wait and see how this really unfolds, but um, absolutely incredible. Today was the last total solar eclipse until 2015, and the next one in the U.S., is August 21st, 2017, and it will go across the states from Oregon to South Carolina. And then, and then the new moon and all those energies, and I just need to throw this in, as if that's not enough already for this week, we've got the annual Leonid uh, meteor showers peaking on Saturday evening overnight. <laughs> so it's just like, this is an amazing week. Plus, I mean, our guest tonight it's outrageous it is outrageous and it's incredible because you know this energy is alive it's vibrant it's available to all and just to ride in the current of being so present in the now in in such alignment with the galactic plane on a conscious level is available to all of us and so i'm so excited to have our guest because i i mean i know you're going to introduce her but I've, i've been able to meet her a few times and she's absolutely such a loving soul and I consider her a friend, and um, I'm just thrilled that she's with us. Well, this is a real treat for us tonight, and um, we're thrilled that it worked out with Kim's schedule to be here. The title of tonight's show is A Contactee's Story, and um, our guest is Kim Carlsberg. She is a UFO researcher. She's an international keynote speaker, and she's a three-time author, three times, okay, as once wasn't enough, three times on the ET UFO phenomenon. And as a contactee herself, her first book, Beyond My Wildest Dreams, Diary of a UFO Abductee, chronicles eight years of continuous contact with seven different species of ETs, and it was published nearly two decades ago. That's almost 20 years ago. So this is really considered a milestone in contact literature at that time, and her life story was optioned by by TriStar Pictures. And if that's just not enough about um, Kim Carlsberg, she has really um, amazing experiences in her past. She's a graduate of the Art Center College of Design. Uh, She is an amazing photographer. I've looked at some photos online. She has um, been in uh, hundreds of publications worldwide. And just, I mean, she's got so much going on. Her new book is called The Art of Close Encounters. We're going to talk about that. It has been coined the quintessential cosmic coffee table book. Um, And there's so much more that I see about her, but none of it's going to do her justice. And what's going to do her justice is me introducing right now Kim Carls. With us, Kim? I'm here. Um, I feel like I can just hang up the phone and not even do an interview after that introduction. But thank you so much. Hi, Laura. Hi, Dr. Dream. It's so exciting Hi, to be Kim. here with you guys. We're yeah. so happy to have wow. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I, when, I'm you gonna... were saying, when you were saying about uh, staying in the moment, being in the present moment, and being able to utilize and channel this energy, 
there's just so much going on that um, I just, I don't know about other people, but I don't have a choice but to be in the moment because if I try to think about what's going to happen tomorrow or what's happening, you know, around me, it's it's just way too much, way too exciting. So I just have to try to stay right here, right now, and, you know, breathe, which is yes, not e- easy for me. <laughs> With my oh, uh, obsessive-compulsive personality, you know, I want to keep moving, but um, it's good to sit and breathe. Absolutely. I so agree, and it's something I need to definitely practice on a regular basis. <laughs> so I'm going to jump right in here with um, just asking, you know, I, I really would love to hear about, you know, your background um, and how your experiences first began as a contactee. Okay. Well, um, I kind of laugh because I think everybody in the world has to have heard my story by now, but I know that most people haven't. It's just that I've told it so many times. Um, and, you know, I was, I was one of the first ones out there. I've been around for a long time. Uh, when I started having my contacts, uh, literally there were two books on the subject. And, uh, you know, one was Communion by Whitley, and uh, the other one was, I believe it was Intruders, by Bud Hopkins. I think that was his first book. And um, then I ended up writing my books because at that time, this is my contact started in 1988. And at that time, uh, you know, we didn't have the Internet. And we didn't, and people were not talking about contact. And because I was willing to talk about it, I was, I got phone calls, in, you know, for radio shows and television shows and magazines um, articles every single day, and I finally had to just stop, and I said, you know, I'm just going to write a book about my experiences, give my book to the world, and go away, and that's what I did um, at, after eight years. But my my first experience, uh, I was the, actually the, the first woman in a cameraman's union in Hollywood. Uh, my boyfriend and I created the television series Baywatch for uh, you know, people that are, um, you know, old enough to remember the series. It was a, a lifeguard series on the beach in, in Malibu. And uh, we were at the top of our game. Uh, you know, life was phenomenal. We were living on the beach in Malibu on Pacific Coast Highway and Sunset Boulevard. And, uh, you know, uh, you couldn't have asked for a more dreamlike life at that time. Um, and... We were both working extra jobs on the side while we were getting day watch together. And I uh, I came home late one night. My boyfriend was asleep in the bed. Um, he was an Olympian athlete, so he would be in bed early and be up early, like 5 o'clock in the morning. So when I got home late from my shoots around Hollywood, uh, I'd be very quiet and I'd, I'd tiptoe in. And we had this amazing view from our house, these three huge windows that overlooked the, uh, the Santa Monica Bay. And uh, I came home one night, and I pulled a chair up to the window, and I noticed that there was a, a light on the horizon, and it was undescribable. It was not a boat. It was not a star. It was just in that little sweet space that it was not on the water and not really in the sky. And, you know, I sat there and I watched this light for a while, and uh, just in the blink of an eye, it went from... Um, it would have been, you know, the South Bay to Point Doom, which is about, you know, 40 miles. You guys are in Ventura, um, so, you know, you can relate yeah, to what I'm exactly talking about. Yeah, I know exactly Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so this light just 
boom, 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 uh, ended up at point M. And and I thought, oh, my God, (laughs) what was that? And the next thing I know, boom, boom, boom again, actually only two booms, boom, boom, it appeared in front of my window. It was hovering about 20 feet above the fan. It was about 50 feet in diameter, and I called it the moon over Malibu. It had uh, a, a bit of a mist around it. It looked like the moon looks in fog. And I thought that I saw the silhouette of a couple beings in the middle of this craft. Um, I had, you know, I worked my way through, you know, eight years of college. I didn't go to movies. I didn't watch TV. At that time, I had never heard of alien affection. And uh, I had no idea what was going to happen. This orb that was hanging over the beach, I was just dumbstruck staring at this thing. And I had never heard of missing time. I didn't know any of that stuff. So I don't know if I had missing time in that encounter. All I remember was looking at this thing thinking, is this God or is this the devil? Who's going to walk out of this thing? And... um, (laughs) And then it took a, a, a diagonal shot across the sky and just disappeared into the stars as fast as it showed up on my beach. So that was my first uh, sighting, I guess you would call it. And then, um, you know, I thought, well, I just went to bed and went on, on with my life, thinking, you know, I was so busy. I really didn't, you know, working on in Hollywood. Uh, it just kind of slipped out of my mind. Um, but a couple weeks later, I came home again. Uh, Greg was already asleep, and I slipped into bed beside him. And I woke up later on in the night, and I was not in my bed. And I was naked, and I was paralyzed, and I was standing in what I thought was an elevator. My nose was pressed against a cold metal door. My first boyfriend was standing next to me on my left, and he is a photographer as well, and he was completely unconscious of what was going on, even though his eyes were open. Um, I could move my eyes from side to side, but that's the only thing I could move. Um, I knew that there was another woman in this elevator with us, and I knew she was a makeup artist. I couldn't see her, but I was getting these thoughts, and it was my first experience with telepathy. I knew that there were beings behind me, and the door opened. I was pushed from this elevator into a large room. The room was so large, I couldn't see the edges of the room. So when I was pushed into this room, I I looked at the first thing in front of me, which was a table with a a, a man on it, a, a human being, who was unconscious, and there were two of these, I coined them the anorexic Pillsbury Doughboys, which we now know are the Graves. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I looked beyond this table, well, you know, your mind just goes to whatever it can conceive. And right. so, and uh, I kind of liked the Pillsbury Doughboys, so it gave me a better feeling about the Graves as the years went on to keep calling them that. <laughs> right. But um, this table was one of hundreds in this room, and every table was occupied by an unconscious human being, and every human being was being uh, manipulated in some manner by these little grays. They were actually off-white. They weren't gray to me. Um, So that 
and that start that was the beginning of eight years of being taken, you know, several times a week. Um, I was I, I later woke up just a you know real quick story to get it going. Uh, I I started screaming, you know. I mean, I thought these people were dead, and I thought I was going to be dead, and so I started screaming at the top of my lungs. And two taller grays appeared from my right side, and one stood in front of me, and the other one slapped me on the back of the neck, and I started to go unconscious as if I had just uh, been given a shot of uh, anesthesia. You know, I've had a lot of surgeries, and I know that feeling. And as I started to go down, I'm looking looking into these huge black eyes, thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be the last thing I ever see in my life. And fortunately, uh, I, I woke up later in a smaller room uh, by myself on a table, and there were one of these little uh, gray characters beside me, and uh, there was an arched open doorway uh, to this little room that I was in. The room beyond the arched doorway was very brightly lit, and the room that I was in was, was dark. It was unlit. So when a beam walked into this doorway, the first thing I noticed was uh, she, it was a female, although I didn't notice it, she was wearing a, a long white gown. It was, um, she didn't really have like human female, a, a figure like a female, a human female. And now, you know, we know that she would have been a hybrid. She had a huge, huge head, big blue eyes, and this patchy blonde hair. So the light is streaming through uh, her hair because she's backlit and I could see it, you know, I thought she was under, undergoing radiation treatment for cancer. That's what her hair looked like. So I, I looked at her and I noticed, you know, that she was female and I, and I started screaming and I said, please, I said, you're a woman, you're female, can't you see how terrified I am? Can't you please help me? And she just gave me this very blank look and telepathically said, why don't you stop being such a big baby and this will be over with soon enough. And that was enough. (laughs) So that was enough to, uh, you know, shock me out of my my hysteria. And I realized that, you know, these beings didn't relate the way that human beings did. Um, So uh, later on, I woke up. I was, my boyfriend was in the exact same position he was in when I went to sleep. Um, I I laid there on my back. They put me back. I'm on my back. I'm looking up at the ceiling thinking, oh, my God, you know, my world has just been shattered. And um, I I closed my eyes because I didn't want to have to talk to Greg when he got up that morning. And uh, he got up and he, you know, slipped out of the house like he usually did. And that was the beginning. So it turned out that, uh, apparently, I have desirable DNA because over the next eight years, I was taken on board ship, you know, hundreds of times. I had my eggs removed. I had alien hybrid fetuses put into my body and removed. I've been taken on, you know, back on the craft. So, you know, if anybody doesn't know about the hybridization process, this is the way it goes down. They'll take a, a female and take her eggs. They'll take a male, take a sperm. They create the hybrid fetus in the laboratory. They reabduct the female, um, and they put the, the fetus back into the female because the aliens are so tiny, and the hybrid fetuses are so tiny. Human women can carry them for months and not even know it. And so um, one of the aspects of this, I was very, very athletic and very thin, 
And when women are thin and athletic, a lot of times they stop having their cycles. So I didn't have my cycles for years anyway, so I wouldn't have even noticed that I would have missed a cycle. I don't know if uh, that was part of their program. The minute I heard about vegetarianism when I moved to California from the Midwest, I said, yes, this is for me. Um, so, you know, I became a vegetarian and was very thin. And, and, you know, it could have been a suggestion by the grace for me to be a, a vegetarian for the reason that I would stop having my cycles. I don't know, just a you know, little aside. But um, over the years, I was taken back and I was uh, made to breastfeed these children. What they do is after they remove the fetus from the female, they will put the fetus in a tank, and I've been taken into these rooms with hundreds of these tanks with babies of all sorts of genetic uh, varieties. Um, and then when the babies are at full term, they bring the female back, and that's when the breastfeeding process starts, the bonding process starts, and it continues throughout your lifetime. Um, there was a point, the reason my contact started uh, or ended after eight years was I figured out a way to make them stop. I had to because the Grays had used my body for this process so many times that I had incredible female problems. And I went from doctor to doctor to doctor. And finally, I just put the intention out there. You know, I said, you guys, uh, I can't do this anymore. I have to figure out a way to stop it. And I did. And um, that was the end of my story. Uh, when I had my contacts, I, I wrote them in my diary. And so I actually had enough diary entries for another book, but one day... I just I woke up and I said, I've got to have my life back. I can't be about aliens for the rest of my life. So I just threw everything into the trash and and walked away. But, um, yeah, eight years, I have seven hybrid children that I know of, two boys and, and five girls. Um, when I did stop the abductions, uh, it was very, very heartbreaking because I knew that I wouldn't be able to have contact with my children anymore. Um and luckily, about three months ago, um, I had contact with my, I'm going to cry, uh, hybrid son for the first time. So, wow. um, it, yeah, it all came around. It was, I guess, the fear, the fear of being taken again kept me from having communication with them. And what I did is about Six months ago, my girlfriend has studied with um, Dolores Cannon, and she does quantum healing. And she kept saying, Kim, let me do a quantum healing on you. Please, please, please. And I said, no, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Finally, she just wouldn't let up. So one day I said, okay, Jocelyn, I'll do it one time. So we did this session, this regression, and in the regression, I actually went back to the moment that I said goodbye to my daughter, or my, my last communication with my daughter when she was 13, April, my first hybrid daughter. And um, it was the first time I could think about her without crying. So I'm in this very relaxed state, and I am looking at her, and um, I'm thinking, 
I'm not crying. And it was, I guess it was just a way for me to be with her without having so much emotion, even though this was just in my mind, whatever that is, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, it it changed everything for me. When I came out of that regression, I could talk about April for the first time without crying and actually with joy. And so that so for two months I was just elated thinking I'm I'm just thinking about it all the time now because I I healed that pain. And so I think what happened was by healing the pain of uh you know, not having my hybrid daughter with me, it opened up a place for my hybrid son to communicate with me. So he actually showed up physically in a craft over my house. After that night, I've actually had telepathic communication with April. So um, after 15 years of a total void and absolute heartbreak, things are changing. So... I think this it is, might I, have to do with 2012. <laughs> right, I, Kim, I am just, I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've known your story and everything, but to hear you share it um, is really something. And 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 so I'm just flooded with my my head is just flooded with questions. But the first one is, eight years of this, you you've got a life, you you've got a relationship. I mean. It seems to me that you would have ended up almost in a psychiatric ward after all that. How did you hold it together? I mean, just the emotions, the the mental, the physical, uh, every aspect of what you went through. How, how did you keep yourself together? How did you make sense out of it, all of it? And and were you talking to people about it? And 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 what were you sharing during those eight years? Yeah, I didn't talk about it for years because. I had to find out what was going on. I, you know, it was, I, I just decided that I was going to be conscious during these experiences and I was going to glean as much information as I could because the fact that something this profound was going on in my life on the beach in Malibu and nobody in the world was talking about it was just, it was just unbelievable. So I said, I, you know, I knew that if I started talking about this stuff, I would end up losing everything, which I eventually did. But when I did, I knew what I was talking about, and I knew that I had to talk about it. So for the first couple of years, I, I, for the first year, I, I was in shock. I just, another me showed up and lived my life. Uh, I would get up and just go on automatic until I would have an experience. And then when I would, I, every time I got back, I would immediately write it down, and I kept all this information, and I started looking for other people who had had you know, this happen to them, and there were very few and far between. I was working on a, a video, a rock video, with a producer who was from Kansas City. I'm from Kansas City. And so uh, we, you know, we became fast friends immediately, and... Uh, it was the first not that first abduction where I was pushed into the room with all the, the tables. I actually got up to go to work that day, God forbid, I don't know how I did it. But I, I walked onto the set and my friend walked over to me. I guess this is, you know, just synchronicity, but um I walked onto the set and he said, What is wrong with you? 
And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, my God, can you look horrible? What happened to you? What's going on? And I said, uh, I, I just had a bad night. I had a bad dream um, and uh, didn't get much sleep. And he said, well, he goes, come over to the corner. And he goes, tell me what the dream was about. He goes, you know, dreams are trying to tell you something. He said, let's find out what this dream was. And when I told and I started to talk about it, and he just went white in the face. And he said, Kim, he goes, you got it. He goes, hold on. He goes, we're shutting the shoot down. He goes, I'm going to take you to lunch, lunch, dinner, whatever. And he said, there's some information I have to share with you. So we literally shut down the shoot that day, and he took me to um, God, Tommy King's restaurant, or Thai restaurant in Melrose, and because it was close to the Bodhi Tree bookstore. And the Bodhi Tree, if anybody knows in the L.A. area, that's the quintessential, uh, you know, new age bookstore. So uh, during dinner, he said, all the things that you describe in your dream, he said, Kimberly, it's not a dream because it's called alien abduction. And I, I said, what are you talking about? I said, what? I've never heard of such a thing. You know, you're, you're insane. And he says, no, I'm not insane. He goes, it happened to my roommate in Kansas City. I know all about it. So at that point, he took me to the Bodhi Tree, and we got communion, and, and you know, I wrote Bud Hopkins a 10-page letter, and God bless Bud Hopkins. He wrote me a 10-page letter back saying, you're not crazy, you know, this is happening to a lot of people. Um, they put me through, I went through all kinds of psychological testing, and I, you know, turned out, they, they told me I was genius, which I didn't know, which is one good thing that came out of it, uh, and that I was perf- perfectly, um, you know, stable and balanced. Uh, so, you know, then I, I just went on, and and luckily I was into all these esoteric you know, practices that I believe my abductions amplified. You know, uh, when I was, when I'm communicating with them, it's all telepathic. So I, I don't know if that activates a part of your brain that's not normally activated, but, you know, most people that I know after all these years who have had contact, they all are amazingly conscious people. They have, you know, telepathy and, and clairvoyance and they're usually healers and they're they're just incredibly conscious multidimensional beings. So I don't know if if the context create that in us. I don't know that it's in our DNA, uh, you know, coming in and maybe that's you know why we're part of the process. But um I'm really blessed that I had those interests and still have those interests. So I started uh channeling classes in L.A. with a woman by the name of Sean Randall, and I ended up, gosh, staying in those classes for about 10 years because I enjoyed them so much, you know, a couple times a week. And then I started apprenticing with uh, Daryl Anka, and Daryl Anka is the channel for an entity who goes by the name Bashar. Bashar means messenger, um, and he claims to be a gray-human hybrid that is Daryl's future self. So Daryl and I became very, very good friends, you know, as we would have it, and he was one of the first people that I really confided in. And, you know, he understood it. And so Daryl is the reason I made it through after I came out of shock. <laughs> but I started, um, you know, just meeting people. 
who, who'd had contact, you know. I mean, it wasn't easy. You had to go to very dark places and, you know, strange neighborhoods and where people were allowed to, you know, speak openly about it. But, um, you know, years go by, the Internet pops up, and now everybody knows just about anything you want to know about the ET phenomenon. You can find it online now. Right. Hmm. So, Unbelievable. Um, wow. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. But just for clarification real quick, so the the children um are gray human hybrids? My daughter April is is a clone of me. Uh mm-hmm. when I when I saw her when she was 13, the experience that I had was I was taken into I was on a craft and I was handed this tiny tiny baby. And I was immediately in a time tunnel. And I was moving through all life together because, you know, they wipe your memories, um, you know, a, a lot of it. I was very, very fortunate that so many of my experiences were conscious. Most people aren't that fortunate. Most people really have to dig around to, you know, pull up the stuff because the grays, they, they use post-hypnotic suggestion, uh, they, you know, there, there are many, many reasons the conscious mind doesn't deal with this very well. And, you know, I don't think the Braves want to interrupt our lives. I think, you know, they have an agenda and they're doing their thing. And I think they just want people to uh, be able to go back to sleep when they get home and go on with their lives with, you know, uh, without knowing what's going on. Um, but we were talking about April. I got a little sidetracked there. Um, she she was a, like I said, they put, put this little girl in my arms and I'm traveling through time and it's all the experiences that we had had together and then, and I'm, I'm just realizing that I've had this full-on relationship with this girl that I didn't remember and they were giving me my memories back as I was moving through this time tunnel and then all of a sudden we stopped and she's no longer in my arms. She's standing in front of me, and she's about 13 years old. And she just looks at me with the, these, you know, these innocent eyes with all this emotion and all this telepathy. And I'm thinking, wow, uh, you know, they really have taken the best of, of both species because she was brilliant. And she's beautiful, and she's very emotional. And she looked at me and she said, Mom, what what, uh, you know, what if this happens to me? What if I have children and they take my children away from me? And she was very concerned and she was very frightened. And I, here I am trying to mask all of my emotions. Um, I'm trying to mask my thoughts because I, I want to be a good mother and, and, you know, take away her fear, right? But they're, they're so telepathic. I mean, she... I, I couldn't hide my thoughts as much as I wanted to. And so um, anyway, I did say, honey, it wouldn't matter because, you know, knowing you has been the greatest experience of my life, you know, even though we haven't been able to be together, um, you wouldn't regret it. It's not going to happen to you, though. You know, our lives are different. So that was the last time I saw her. And it actually wasn't, you know, in time as we know it. But she is. She could live on this earth, and nobody would know that she was an ET. Um, my hybrid son that showed up the other day, the other month, 
seems like yesterday, um, a few months ago. Uh, very, very human looking. Um, he looked just like me as well. Uh, just, you know, he could he could walk amongst us here and nobody would know. He was a hybrid, except that he, they're brilliant and telepathic and, you know, they have their, their ways of getting around a universe that are better than ours. Wow. No. So uh, how long did it, I mean, not how long, I guess, more the question is, you said that you were able to stop the abductions, and what process did you have to go through in order to stop the abductions? Well, you know, I, I had, you know, intention is everything, really. And once you understand something um, and you're clear about it, I think you can do just about whatever you want in life, you know, if you've got a clear intention and clear clear focus. And I just used that philosophy. Um, I really felt like I could make the abduction stop earlier, but I really wanted to know as much as I could about the phenomenon. So I just, you know, let it continue and I let it continue. And every time I would have an abduction, I, when I would be on the ship, I, I'd say to myself, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember this. And the minute my feet hit the floor, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to remember all of it and I'm going to write it down. So, so that's what I did. And after eight years... I got to the point where I think I know as much as any contactee can know, uh, you know, in this relationship. So after I, you know, I figured, well, I've got it all figured out, you know, pretty much all of it, and I'm really, I'm having these female problems, and they, they've got to leave me alone. So I, you know, they say that information finds the person who needs the information, right? So mm-hmm. I just had this intention. I'm going to make the abduction stop. I don't know how. It was self-hypnosis. I said, I'm going to make them stop. I'm going to figure out a way to make them stop. And, of course, most people know that when you're being abducted by the ETs, you are also most likely being abducted by the military. I had a lot of horrific my lab experiences, way, way worse than any alien abduction. And so um, one night I had an abduction, and the next night I had a my lab, and I was so distraught. And I was actually living in Ventura at that point. I was in Channel Islands, oh. and yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of experiences in Channel <laughs> Islands. So uh, I called Daryl one night, and I was just—I I, you know, I was suicidal, but I was afraid I, I couldn't kill myself because I knew the—I know the Greys are just on the other side of the veil, right? right. So I kill myself, they're going to get me, and, I, huh. and I'm in too much pain to live, and I don't want the military to get me anymore, and I'm just, I'm just distraught. And I called Daryl and I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Please, can, you've got to help me. And he said, all right, I'll tell you what. He goes, I'll come over and, goes, and we'll, we'll talk to Bashar. Now, I'd known Bashar for eight years, and I know Bashar to be a completely different entity than Daryl. Um, and Bashar's helped me a couple times tremendously, uh, you know, had before that. But, you know, when you're a good friend with someone who has a career, you don't bother that person for their services, right? That's not what friendship is about. So when I asked Daryl for help, he knew that I really needed it. And he said, okay. So he came over to my house, and we sat down in my living room, and we took two chairs and put them facing each other. 
and our knees were touching, and Bashar came through. Bashar started giving me a mantra. It was just this little mantra, and he said, Kim, I don't know if this is going to work, but this is all I can think to do. And he said, I'm going to give you this mantra. And he said, and you may have to do this every day for the rest of your life in order for it to work. And I said, fine. I said, I would do it standing on my head every day <laughs> if it would make the abduction stop. So uh, while he was giving me this mantra, I felt this tremendous energy rush through my body from Daryl's knees. So Bashar was pushing the energy through Daryl, through his knees, into my knees, and it just spread out throughout my body. And so this energy was, he literally changed my vibration. And the mantra was keyed to this new vibration. So every night when I did this mantra, it kept my vibration at that level, that new vibration. And for I did it for two weeks and I didn't have an abduction. Now, that's the first time in eight years that I went two weeks without an abduction. So I was thrilled. But I have to tell you, when we got up from that those two chairs, we, we walked on the beach. And I told Daryl, I said, God, I feel like a completely different human being. And he said, you know what, so do I. So, you know, we could have just, you know, maybe slid. Remember sliders? Was that yeah. show? Reality to another. So mm-hmm. I think we slid, and um, so I did. I did, did mantra for two weeks, and then I stopped. And guess who showed up that night? So I immediately jumped up and started doing that mantra as fast as I could all night long. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I realized uh, maybe I will have to do this for the rest of my life. So I did it. Again. I, I did the mantra every night for like three months. And I was, and I knew I was cured. I mean, oh my God, three months—they've totally forgotten about me. So I didn't do the mantra one night. The next night, they showed up again. Whoa! And I jumped up and I started doing my mantra. I'm going get out of here. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, I ended up having to. And I went, okay, I'm not messing around with this. I know that I've got to do this. So I did it for five more years. Oh. Yeah, at the end of five years, every day for five years. And at the end of five years, I thought, I'm just going to test it. And I stopped doing it, and I never had to do it again. Wow. So so I I guess my vibration stuck after five years. Wow, that that is is incredible. That is really something. Now, um... I want to get back to, you mentioned the MyLab. So I want to know, uh, I mean, when you first had the experience, how did you know that that wasn't an alien experience? And and then was the MyLab experience um, as consistent as uh, the alien abductions? And did the MyLab experiences stop with the mantra also? Yes. Uh, that's three questions. We'll start with the first one. <laughs> I'll, I'll answer the last one first. Um, yes, they stopped. When I stopped being abducted, the military was no longer interested in me. So that that all went away. How did I know it wasn't an alien uh, experience? I'll tell you how. Um, if you if you walk into um, say you know a, a car showroom and you get in a brand new car. 
you, you, you know what it is. You're in a brand new car. If you walk down the street and you get into an old dusty van, you know it's an old dusty van. I mean, it's just, you know, your perception. You know what's going on. When I was taken to underground bases, they stunk like underground bases. They were man-made. They, they had sharp corners. They had old, old tile. They had, uh, you know, some of them looked like, um, you know, my elementary school, just very rudimentary human construction. And the people were humans with military uniforms. And they were, uh, most of my my lab experiences were with e- ETs. So, you know, I'd be in a room with the Grays. The Grays would be pushing me down a hallway on a table, and, you know, the table would bump into these military people, and they turn around, and they were so used to seeing abductees on tables being pushed around in these underground bases that they didn't even glance at you. I mean, it, it was absolutely shocking. So um, I know when I'm on a craft, I know what a craft looks like. You know, I'm a photographer. I've had a dozen studios. Uh, a photography studio has coved walls, coves. There are no corners. There are no sharp edges. They're coved and they're white because that's what reflects the light perfectly. So when I was on a craft, you know, the first craft I was on, I'm like, oh, my God, just like my photography studio. Uh, bare, you know, bare's bones, white, stark, curved uh, walls, um, and there are ETs. Are you there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, it sounded like you weren't dead. Um, so, you know, a craft with ETs and underground bases with military people. You just know the difference. Right. Now, let me just follow up real quick on this. What What do you think the military wanted from you, or what were they getting from you? We know what the alien abduction was about, um, but so what, how's the military fit in? Um, the military wants what we know. Um, they, you know, they want to know what's happened to you when you're on the craft. They want to know if you've seen the propulsion systems, you know. They want to know everything you know, and they want you to be quiet about it. And, you know, I was, I have been tortured and, you know, by, by black ops. You know, my phones have been tapped. I've been chased by black helicopters. I mean, it's, you know, they, they're just, they're nasty and, uh, that's all I can say about them. <laughs> so, so Kim, in the lo- yeah, in the larger picture, um, what what would you say this on on a larger level with the extraterrestrials and the military? When you sort of look at all this and just process it all, in your way of understanding our current reality and where we're headed as a collective, what what yeah. I mean, how are you connecting the dots, and what and what do you make of it all? What do you think the larger picture intention agenda is? That's a very good question. Um, You know, I've thought about this every day of my life since, you know, 1988. And, uh, uh, you know, when I wake up now in the morning, I I just, I look at the world and I don't see the world, I see the universe. I not only see the universe, I see the multiverse as a functioning, ongoing, evolutionary being. Um, I, I don't think that that one day I was abducted and that one day the military found a craft. 
I think that this has been here forever and that we have just, you know, been blocked from the information. I think that the uh, the multiverse is, you know, like the, the microverse. Um, there are so many different species, and they are, you know, living their lives, evolving, uh, and I think that, that we're just part of that process. Um, I know that the ETs, when I was taken almost every abduction, I was made to see the Earth in uh, a disastrous mode, and they made me very, very conscious of the, you know, how fragile the Earth is. And they would always say to me, it's time to save Mother Earth from her inhabitants. It's time to start repairing the damage we have done. And so I know that, wow. you know, my, my abductions were um, horrific. And there were some that were completely phenomenal. Not as many as that were, you know, were bad. But uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish, wish it on anybody. But then again... Um, I am so glad that I can see the entire reality in which we live. I'm, I, I'm so grateful that I, I don't have my head in the sand. And so it's, I guess that's the yin and yang of it all. I know that these hybrid children and these hybrid races that they're creating are fantastic. Um, you know, I don't know if the greys just do this for a living, you know, create species and see the universe, or, or maybe this is, you know, their pet project here on Earth. But um, I, I know my hybrid children are just, you know, it was, I'm a proud parent. I mean, you know, they're, they're amazing. So they're, as painful as it all was, you know, the, um, the end, they justify the means. I know that I've seen hybrids on this planet. Uh, you know, being telepathic with BET, you immediately recognize other contactees and hybrids um, when you're here. So I know some are here. Uh, my children say that they live on a craft. They do not live on a planet. They say that they live in the Pleiades system on a craft. Uh, I, you know, so they're just kind of spread out everywhere and hopefully to help us raise our consciousness. Kim, I just love your perspective. Um and it, it's really touching for me just based on everything uh, that you've gone through. So here we are. It's, uh, you know, a little over a month um, till 1221, the end of 2012. Um, so much um, misinformation and disinformation and, and, and truths being spread about this time. It's hard to tell really what's up at, 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 at some points, but tell me, what is your perspective of, of where we're headed right now, what's happening in 1221 and beyond? Um, my perspective is whether something is really happening or not doesn't matter because something is happening in our expectations. And our, there's so many people that are ready for a change that whether it was the end of the Mayan calendar or the you know the galactic alignment, all the different reasons that, that we have for you know this shift that we we say the reasons we say this shift is happening, I don't think they matter. I think what matters is everybody's ready and they're looking for a reason to have the shift 
and that in itself, I believe, will create the shift. Um, it, you know, it's just time. It's time for us to be able to be who we really are, and there's so many of us who know it that I, we just can't be held down anymore. You know, I pray, my biggest prayer in my life is that one day that we can wake up. What I would love to happen is overnight the world became telepathic. Just for one hour, if the world became <laughs> telepathic for one hour, can you, or ten minutes, can you imagine but how Kim, we would change? That, that would change everything. Wouldn't it now? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to wake up one morning and not know that everything in front of, if you're an aware person, everything in front of your face, everything, everything you see and hear is a lie. You know, it, there's a real curse to being awake. You know, of course, Laura, we look up, we look up at the skies every day. You, you know how many people have to explain what a chemtrail is, you know, or a Jim to 21, or what a hybrid is. I mean, it's, it, it, but if we could just connect for five minutes, everybody's knowledge was available to everybody else, and we all knew the truth for five minutes. Hey, man, it could happen in five seconds. Wow, right. yeah. That would, that would be my dream. Oh, that's beautiful. I hear that. Yeah. So, Kim, in, in, your, in your heart of hearts, um, just based on all your experiences, what do you really feel that it's going to, I mean, do you think that on the 21st or on the 22nd we wake up, everything's different, or do you just see it continuing to build and evolve the way that it's been happening? I think it's going to continue to evolve. I don't think, I don't know that there's, you know, maybe there is a power that could just shift everything in those five seconds. Um, I've just been through so many expectations, and and they didn't happen so many times in my life that I'm at the point where it's like, well, if it happens, great, but I'm really not expecting much, except that I, I appreciate the excitement and the anticipation of everybody wanting to bring everything to a, a new level. So, yeah. yeah. So beautifully put. I'm going to kind of um, backtrack just a little bit, though, uh, a question about the greys. Um, how, how do the greys that you were abducted by different than the ones working with our government that seem to be, you know, connected with the reptilians? What, what are your thoughts on, you know, that compared to the beings that you connected with? Okay, uh, you know, I was in contact with a lot of different graves and I, and a lot of different species, as, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, I, oh, my God, light beings, um, you know, I've got a list of my, uh, you know, there was a being that I called him the, the big nose gray, and but I don't know that he was a gray. He had reptilian eyes and a big nose and full lips like a human being, but, you know, he had the big head, the, you know, the shape of a gray. He was taller. Um, so, you know, there are so many. In my new book, The Art of Close Encounters, the first chapter of the book is um, a, a, the most commonly seen ETs. And the varieties are, I mean, they're crazy. I couldn't put them all in the book, but that's the first chapter. And then the second chapter is the most commonly seen uh, UFOs. 
But if you look in, in that chapter, you'll notice that there are grays with reptilian scales. So there are so many different species of the grays and, my, and, and hybrid species of the grays, you know, just minute changes, just like humans, you know, on the earth, that I don't know who's who. I do right. know that I have experienced the most intense love from a gray alien that I've ever experienced in my life. So on several occasions, I've experienced humor. I've experienced concern. Um, you know, every emotion that we have, I have experienced it with a gray and to the hilt. So, you know, um, my dear friend Richard Dolan and I disagree on this one. You know, he believes that they're, uh, like a lot of people, believe that they're robotic. Um, I had an experience where I had an intimate, uh, accidental intimate connection, physical connection with the gray. Um, I, he was at my bedside and, and he got really close to my face and I tried to push his face away and my thumb slipped into his mouth and I felt the upper palate of his mouth and it was wet and warm just like a human palate and when my thumb hit his mouth, we were, we were just all of a sudden bonded in the most intense emotion of disgust I have ever known, but it was us. It wasn't him and it wasn't me. And I was like, oh, my God, we're one being experiencing this one emotion. Whose emotion is it? And when I said that telepathically, it was, it, it was you know, it was funny, and then all of a sudden, we were just gripped in this love, this intense love, and uh, and he bent down and he kissed me on the cheek, and and I thought, you know what? It's not that they're robotic. I think that they have emotions that are so intense that they just absolutely keep them shut off when they're working with us, unless for some wow. accidental reason or some intentional purpose, they reveal who they really are. Um, so, yeah, I had a little gray alien show up. I was spending the night with my girlfriend in Santa Fe, and uh, I woke up, and here's this little pointed chin over my eyes, right? So you can imagine if I'm on a bed, that's about, what, how tall is the bed? Two and a half feet? Three, two and a half feet, maybe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So And yeah. then the, the, my head is about six or eight inches, so that would put this at, this little gray, about a three-foot gray, where his chin was almost touching my eyes. He's leaning over my head, and I looked, and I was so mesmerized by how pointed this little chin was. I thought, oh, my God, if you touched it, it would puncture your finger. And while I'm thinking that, uh, he realized I was awake, and and he telepathically said to me, uh, because I'm normally terrified when I wake up and they're there, right? And he just, he looked down and he goes, gee, I love waking up finding you here. <laughs> like, it was, like, it, like it was my thought. And we both cracked wow. up. So. Wow. So, so what yeah. about the malevolent races? And, I mean, did you meet any of those? And, like, what are your thoughts about, you know, what David Icke reports about the reptilians and the royals and just the shapeshifters that are taking over humans? I mean, do you have any info or connection or experience okay. Those beings? Uh, actually, 
No, not until, oh, this is a long story, not until my hybrid son showed up a few months ago. Uh, I had never seen a reptilian. I did see the big nose gray that had rept- had to have had reptilian DNA with those eyes. Um, I, you know, I, I follow David Icke, and I, I love David Icke. He's one of the most interesting guys out there. Um, so, you know, the, the reptilian agenda, you know, what can you say? Yeah. They've been around forever. You know, they, they are shapeshifters. I met a shapeshifter once. It wasn't, thank God it wasn't a reptilian. But the only experience I've had with a reptilian came three months ago when my son came to visit me. Um, I was in my kitchen, where I am now, and I was uh, just told to walk outside onto my patio. I had this telepathic pole. And I went out of my patio, and I look up, and I see the bottom of a craft. It's about the size of my house. It's right at the treetops, and it's the shape of an iron, the kind of iron that you iron your clothes with. And so it was like I was looking at the bottom of this huge iron, and it's pulsating these pastel colors just, you know, 100 a minute. And it was so gorgeous. And then I can't get into the whole story because it's just way too long. But the one part I will get into is the reptilian. When um, I went out on a patio two, three times, I came back in. Last time I came back in, my hybrid son was sitting on my sofa. And I walked over to him, and I sat down beside him, and I put my hand on his knee, and we had our first communication. But when I sat down beside him, I could tell... He was very, very concerned about something, and it was like his consciousness was split. It was like he was having uh, a, a telepathic conversation with somebody else while he was trying to give me some attention, and I'm pretty sure I know what it was about. Before I came back in the house, before I saw him on the sofa, I actually saw a reptilian being falling out of the sky about wow. five, feet, five feet above my patio. And it was it was for maybe three seconds, and it was as if he he was he was falling. I mean, he was you know his tail and his arms and his legs were frailing like he had just been thrown off of a cliff. But there's no cliff. I mean, he's just falling through thin air. And then before he hit my patio, he disappeared. So obviously, you know, in the first chapter of my first book. I said the most important thing people have to understand about the ET phenomenon is that they are not only extraterrestrial, they are extra-dimensional. And back then, I was considered totally insane. But in today's world, you know, that's that's common. People understand multidimensionality now. And, uh, you know, so so this reptilian, before he hit my patio, disappeared. So I believe that there was something going on. I believe that he was trying to stop my son from having contact with me. And I believe that my hybrid son did something to him to knock him out of this space so that he could visit me. Oh, wow. If that's the case, if that's, the case well, that, that's not good. Right. So, so, so it's trying to get in the way of your, your connection. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I mean, yeah. He was try, he was tr- trying to prevent the visit from right. my son. Wow. And this so was, that that this would that, that would coincide. 
What's that? That wasn't that long ago, right? This no, it was just like three three months ago, maybe. Wow. So, so what if, do you think about? Go ahead. I was going to say, if that's if that's the case, if he's trying to block my relationship with my hybrid son, then uh, I don't have any problem looking at the things David says and believing them. Right. What do you think about the good races, though, intervening? I mean, we've somewhat been infiltrated by these intruder races, tinkering with timelines and this and that. And, you know, a lot of people talk about good races, you know, higher races, uh, you know, benevolent beings that are intervening, clearing underground bases and really, you know, keeping big disasters from happening. And and not mm-hmm. just intervening as far as contact goes, but really getting in there and assisting us. What, do, what are your thoughts about that? I don't have any personal experience with that. I, I know that there are, like I said, my, my ET experiences, I've met with light beings uh, and shapeshifters, and I know that there are beautiful, wonderful uh, you know, amazing races out there. I don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, hopefully they are helping us. Uh, unless, you know, I, I have a hard time talking about things unless I've had a personal experience of it because there's so much said, you know, that, that I just, I, I can't really comment on it. It's just that I know that there are, you know, how, Clifford Stone, right? Mm-hmm. Said that when he Clifford Stone worked for our military for what twenty two twenty seven years, the first responders team for the military, and he said that when he left it, they had uh, categorized fifty seven different species. Wow! So, yeah, uh-huh. fifty seven. Uh, you know, on Earth here in his short term in the military. So, you know, you can imagine if he knows about fifty seven. And, you know, we know about, you know, dozens and dozens. You know, it's the full, full universe. Yeah. Now, Kim, over the years, I mean, you've, um, once you put your story out there, um, which, of course, took a lot of of courage um, and probably just took a lot of everything (laughs) that you had available to call on, I would imagine that you've been sought out by all sorts of other contactees. Um, tell me, what um, are you uh, assisting others? Or I mean, obviously your books make a huge difference for people, and and they don't yeah. feel so alone. And and there's you know that that resonance. But um, you know, when people are coming to you, are you, are you in a position to help them? Are you guiding them somehow? Oh, I've been I've been guiding them from day one. Wow. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I get you know thousands of emails, and you know, it used to be letters, and now it's emails. And uh, you know, I try to take time for everybody. It's impossible now because I have so much going on. But you know, over the last you know twenty years, if somebody came to me, I I was absolutely there for them because you know I remembered what it was like to be <laughs> confronted with this. Uh, you know, and and being alone and not having any information. Um, You know, what's great now is, you know, with the Internet, I don't have to be their only resource anymore. You know, I was the only resource for a lot of people. Um, You know, a a lot of women, it's hard for women to talk about this stuff. It is so intimate, you know, with the hybridization process. 
and um, I would just, I always made myself available, and then I thought, well, I could probably make, uh, reach more people with my book, and then, you know, I started uh, touring again, and I'm I'm always asked to be on all of these different, you know, programs and consultation groups, and I'd love to, but I think right now, the best thing for me to do is just to try to put everything, all the resources together online. Um, I did it a couple times, and then the sites disappeared, ha-ha, uh, <laughs> but you know, now you, you can point people in the right direction. You know, I, I just tell people who are having contact and who are terrified, I said, just, you know, go on Facebook. I've got 5,000 friends on Facebook, and I'll bet 90% of them have had contact, you know. Right. And there there's so many groups out there, you know, Facebook groups, and, of course, it's all monitored. We all know that. But it's still people um, contacting other people, and you know they know they're not alone, and, and you can get a lot of information. So, uh, just every little thing I can do for contactees, I do. Sure. I, I, I don't. I don't have a formal consultation uh, business set up, but I'll tell you what. I consult people every night under the stars with my uh, UFO night vision tours. That's for sure. <laughs> um, well, since you since you brought that up, Kim, tell it. Tell us a little bit about that and and um you know you're in Sedona uh, I lived there for 9 years I love the place you're you've got yeah. the the great night vision goggles I've seen um on on the internet all about what you're doing but but just kind of tell our uh, audience a little bit about what what this is all about Yeah you know um when the real estate crash happened and I found myself floating around the country going, where am I going to land? Uh, a friend of mine called and said, you know, I, I actually went back to the Midwest because I have a, a bit of family there, but, oh, my goodness, I don't take the cold. And my girlfriend called. She lived in, um, or lives in Phoenix. And she said, why don't we get you to Arizona where you can thaw out? And I said, that's a great idea. And I bought land in Snowflake, Arizona, 20 years ago, coincidentally, where Travis lives. Um, and so I've been traveling through Sedona, you know, for 20 years, and it, it was always like a second home. And I love it here. I love it here because I can be who I am, and nobody raises an eyebrow. You know, they <laughs> embrace me. I walk, I tell you, I've got a great T-shirt on today. Um, I got it in Roswell, uh, the last Roswell event, and it's got three or four little gray aliens, and I think one's playing a flute, the other one's playing with his puppy dog, and it's just really cute with their UFO on it. And I have so many of these T-shirts, I forget that I'm wearing them, right? And I walked through a store today, and this 90-year-old woman stopped me dead in the aisle, and she said, I love your T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That is incredible. So, yeah, so, you know, Sedona, everybody's open-minded. I mean, this is just the mecca for, for, you know, weirdos like me. So, you know, when I say I get abducted by aliens, people go, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, you know, <laughs> me too. <laughs> so that I, makes me very – go ahead. That, that what? I said that makes me very curious about what you went through before that. But I want to just let you finish your thought before I ask you about it. Yeah. So anyway, you know, I, I've always loved Sedona, and, and I came here, and I, you know, heard about the um, the night vision 
stuff and I got into it and it's just it's just a perfect, you know, side business for me. Uh and I learned so much from from all these people that come here. So what I was saying about, you know, trying to help with the contactees, I actually um I put together a synopsis for a television series um because I realized that when I'm out there with these people, most of them are not coming to see a UFO. Most of them have already seen a UFO, and they're coming because they want the validation from somebody who's a quote-unquote, you know, expert in the field or whatever. They want to be able to talk to somebody about their experience, and they want to be able to put their family members or their, you know, the person that they're in a relationship with uh, together with me so that they can, you know, have a different perspective. They they want me to convince their family members that it's real. And I don't do that just by showing them a UFO through the night vision. I do it through, you know, all the information and all the stories that I have. So um, I do a lot of consulting under the stars uh, with these people. And then, along with that, you put these goggles on, and, you know, they see 20,000 times more light than the human eye. And even if you don't see a UFO, you're completely changed because you see how vast the universe is. I mean, right now with, you know, the new moon, um, the Milky Way was so rich last night, we saw 50 craft. Uh, You know, the least I've ever seen is five. The most I've ever seen is 200. I had a man come here with his 12-year... He came here a month ago and was so blown away by the experience. He brought his 12-year-old daughter back this weekend, he said, because I think she's had contact. And this girl was so bright. I'm sure she's a you know, little, I don't know the different terms now, what crystal or indigo or whatever the different levels are. But um, so, so here I am, uh, you know, and with this 12-year-old girl who's probably having contact, and I'm telling her about my life, and, you know, she's experiencing all these crafts. And so uh, he called me today. They they went home yesterday. He called me today and he goes, I just want to thank you so much, he said, because my daughter has not stopped talking about this, and she's not afraid. And he said, and so, and I, he goes, I told her your whole story, and I told her, you know, it's not all good sometimes. And he said, and I was so afraid that when she realized that she's different, that she would be terrified. And he said, but she's not. She's totally cool with it now, and she wants to come back again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so when I started started this, you know, I've been at this almost two years now, and, you know, every night that there's a clear sky, I'm out there with huge groups of people, and I hear all these stories. And so I thought, man, you know, this is a, this is a great television series. You know, I'm from the industry, so automatically I think television series. And I, you know, I put together a, a you know, pilot, and I hadn't shopped it, but I actually two two companies have contacted me in the last you know month, uh, wanting to do a reality TV series. And I'm like, oh god, only if I have total total control. <laughs> but you know, I've, I've worked for twenty, you know, over twenty years to bring credibility to the subject. I definitely don't want to do a reality series that would end up, you know, jeopardizing any of that. So um, I think there might be. I, I think there's a series in my future 
I'm not sure it's with one of these companies exactly as a reality television show, but um, that would be another way, of course, of getting information out there and helping other contactees. Um, right now, while I'm talking to you, I'm packing because, uh, Laura, are you aware of the event that's going on in Pennsylvania? What What's that event? Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm leaving. There's a, um, I believe this started with Mel Fabregas. There's a gentleman on the on the East Coast who I guess he's you know made a lot of money in his life and wants to uh, leave a legacy. And he she believes that the best thing that he can do for the world is to facilitate facilitate disclosure. So um, we're doing a U. I believe it's a UFO think tank. Um, he's getting all of us contactees together, um, along with some, you know, pretty intelligent physicists that are friends of his, and, and uh, he's going to line up and dine us for three days so that we can, you know, come up with ideas of how to, conti- you know, continue towards disclosure, you know, in, in a powerful manner. Um, I believe he wants to put together a foundation, a disclosure foundation, so... Like I said, there's so much actually, going on. I just go ahead. Yeah, actually, we we now you remind me we we were going to actually go to that, but we're not able to. Um, it sounds very yeah. familiar. We're like, oh gosh, and the dates are kind of exactly what we remember in the the profile that you. Yeah, that's that's funny. But I, I want to ask real quick because the show's almost over, and we didn't really get a chance to cover this. You were talking about how at home you feel in Sedona, you feel you know you can really be you. What was it like in these eight years going through all this with your you know your family, your mother, the partner you were with, the Olympic um, person? Oh, yeah. what was it like for them, and what happened with 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 those relationships? Oh, well, you know, I love California. I spent most of my life in California. But California is not really that open-minded. <laughs> you know, um, I, like I said, when I started talking about it, um, it was, it, it, you know, a lot of courage and a lot of stupidity mixed. Um, I don't know. I, you know, no, I do know. I knew, I knew that my life would end the way, the the life that I knew would end. It had to because... The people in my life couldn't comprehend what I had been through or who I was anymore. I was I was not the same girl that Greg dated before we lived together. You know, I had my life, who I was and my core was completely transformed. So um, I knew that I would eventually have to talk about it. Um, I tried slowly mentioning things. Uh, I remember um, I got to the point where he was almost believing me. Greg was almost believing me. And, you know, he grew up Catholic, and, you know, strict Catholic family. And, you know, he always wore his cross on his neck. And, you know, I'd start talking about these things. And then one night I had a really, really rough abduction. And we were filming in Malibu, uh, Malibu High School. And being the still photographer, I, did my, I made up my own hours. I just went in and I shot the best scenes of the day. I didn't have to be there early in the morning or late at night. You know, I just just grabbed the best scenes. So I showed up, but I was supposed to, the best scene was supposed to be early that morning. Um, and I missed it. And I showed up on the set late and I was rushing around. And, and uh, you know, the still photographer has to be, right next to the cameraman, and Greg was the director. So we were always a pod. You know, you've got the director, cameraman, and still photographer within a couple of feet of each other. 
And then the second AD comes in and out. And then, you know, the, so I'm standing, I, I walk up to the camera and, uh, you know, I, I pretend like everything's okay and I'm just going to go to work. And he said, you're late. And I looked up and I looked him in the eyes and said, yes, I'm sorry. And he said, it happened last night, didn't it? And it was like for one moment there was an opening. And I thought, oh, my God, he believes me. And at that moment, a friend of his, who was the uh, the assistant photographer, um, walked up and said, uh, how are you doing? And I said, I'm fine. And he turned around and he looked at his friend and he said, my girlfriend thinks she gets abducted by aliens. What do you think about that? And he turned around and he started laughing. And he goes, I want some of the drugs she's taking. And at that moment, he turned off and he never opened up again. So that was the end of my relationship and, therefore, you know, my my career as I knew it. Um, my brother still doesn't believe me. My mother loves her daughter but still doesn't believe me. So, you know, that's, that's the way it is. I'm still talking. Yeah. I'll talk until I die. And, you know, I can't give, convince people who, who don't want to be convinced. All I can do is make the information available to people who are seeking the, seeking the information. And um, they already believe. You're incredible. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, you too. Yeah, really just um, want to honor you, Kim, for for really all that it's taken for you to play this role. And, and I know from from the research I've done about you and then what I've heard tonight that um that it really took everything you that that you had to draw on. Um yeah. and I'm just uh that uh you were able to be on the program with us tonight and um to get uh, more information out there. Now tell me you um, the other thing I've been really impressed by is you've got a whole network of, of websites and things. So tell people the best place to to um, find you, point of contact, um, and everything like that so um, so people can uh, get with you. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. That's wonderful. Um, so first of all, um, I'm standing here looking at a stack of beautiful books called The Art of Close Encounters. And uh, my book is only available online at theartofcloseencounters.com. Um, so you can go there and find out about my, my newest book. Uh, my my Sky Tours, Sedona, ufoskytours.com, or just plain old ufoskytours.com. You'll get all the information about my, my night vision uh, events. I have a mother company, tour company, um, we have at least 26 different tours that we do here, all paranormal, <laughs> because uh, that's who we are, <laughs> and that is EncounterSedona.com. So I just opened up a storefront here this week, so I'm really excited about that for the tours. And, Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Right on 89A, right across from uh, New Frontiers, the uh, you know New, New Frontiers, the oh, of course. Tour. So it's um, got a great big sign, which is very hard to find in Sedona. They're so picky about their signage here. 
And uh, so I've put together a, a beautiful sign with a big UFO right in the middle. <laughs> People <laughs> won't miss it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my That's three sites. Awesome. And all, all of my sites are connected, so if you get to one, you can link to another one. Oh, that's great. Wow, Kim, I'm just so, like, speechless and in awe, and I just think you're amazing. I'm so happy we've been able to connect at these different events. I'm so happy, you know, that I can call you a friend, and I just really look forward to just being on this journey, just, you know, staying in contact, and and just I, I just so support you. And thank you so much for coming on to our show. It's been absolutely amazing. And you are one of the most phenomenal women on this planet, and thank you for being here with us. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. And Dr. Jim, it's been a pleasure. (laughs) I appreciate that, Kim. I was just, I'm sitting here with the biggest smile on my face because I'm here with two of the most amazing people that are both so passionate about what they do and are just have dropped everything and and do what they came here for. and, And I'm thrilled to be right here with the two of you. Well, you know, you've got enough energy for a lot of people, and, you know, thank you for all that. The uh, the people didn't hear this, you know, but I was very, very touched when you said, let's have an, uh, an intention for the show, and, you know, your intention was so, you know, pure of heart and uh, beautiful, and uh, and what a great way to, you know, enter into these conversations, and, um Yeah. I'd love to get to know you better, too. (laughs) Well, you know what? We're going to be coming to Sedona in February for the um, Best of Raw uh, that Laura Fox is putting together there at the Hilton. We'll be um, doing some things with that, so hopefully you'll be in town that weekend. Um, I think it's the 24th of February, something like that. So um, we will look forward to seeing you then if you're there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely contact me. Don't you dare leave here without getting together. No, no we will, we will for do sure. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much, Kim, for, for taking the time and sharing so much with us this evening. And um, I know that I speak for, for all of our listeners and, and for Laura. We just really appreciate you. Thank you so much, you guys. You're awesome. All right. <laughs> Take care. Well, good good night. Good night. We have got um oh boy, I tell you this was <laughs> I love this. I love doing what we get to do, Laura. It, it's I know, I love it too. Yes. And it's just it's so I'm just I've, I've I've got so much energy right now. I I just before we close out the show, I want to um let people know that um, we will be at the Star Knowledge Conference in Phoenix, um, December 10 to December 13th for 12-12-12. I understand that you can still get tickets, but um, this is going to – they've been getting such an incredible response. Um, If you're hearing me talk about this right now and you want tickets, go to – just put into Google Star Knowledge Conference – and uh, you'll get to the website, 60-plus uh, speakers, and um, it's really going to be something nice. Also, uh, just to continue to let people know, we have our holistic healing practice here in Ventura called Healthy Family Now, uh, where Laura and I do um, sessions and, and have appointments with people that come in from all over. Uh, 
And so, yeah, just um, – and next week, Laura, who do we have next week? Next week we have Jordan Maxwell. That is <laughs> that Isn't is that exciting? Great, right. It is. Kim Carlsberg and then Jordan Maxwell. I mean, oh, my gosh, we've hit the big time. This is really super. And then um, we have uh, Dr. Joan um, Hartgarter, um, Hangarter, uh, the following week. So we've got a great lineup. And uh, December 4th, we have a very special guest that we're not going to announce until next week. So we want you to be back with us next week and um, look for the archive version of this to be uh, posted and find us on iTunes um, or just track us on Facebook and, and we'll get you all the information of everything we're doing. And, uh, you know, we, we love you for showing up and it just keeps us doing what we do. Thank you. So much. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Happy Eclipse. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.